Hello everyone and welcome to the Commander's Forge. My name is Andy Bentley and the Forge is an area for me to talk about magic, commander, and anything else while I try and work through this mental health thing that I'm supposed to have. Now, this week I want to start by talking about something that came out from Hasbro. You may have already heard about this, but it's something that made me fairly reasonably unhappy. So Hasbro released their third quarter stuff and turns out that they took a 31% hit to operating profits in the third quarter because it's been dealing with higher inventory levels. And the CEO, Chris Cox, said in a press release that the company expected Q3 to be its most difficult in terms of prior comparisons and that it was further impacted by increasing price sensitivity for the average consumer. So, yeah, I when I first heard about this, I was more annoyed than anything else because, well, let's face it, Watsy just announced their $1,000 proxies that aren't even guaranteed to be anything. It's just a random pack. And it just made me think, like, how much have I actually bought in the last few months? And the answer is not a lot. I've honestly not been buying that much because I just don't have the extra money right now. The cost of living is prohibitive at the moment. And, you know, I need to worry about groceries that are going to get me through the week and having money to pay my bills and having money for gas. I'm not going to have, you know, that extra couple hundred dollars to throw at magic product. And a lot of times when I do, I'm not going for sealed product that they have sitting in a warehouse. I'm going for singles that either my LGS has or one of the online retailers that I use. It, I think the thing that annoyed me the most was the callousness that it kind of conveyed in what he said. And it's a good stark reminder that no matter how much we love the game of Magic the Gathering, Watsy and Hasbro are still companies that are going to try and bleed you dry. So I just wanted to make this quick little segment here and remind people that as much as we love them, they are companies. And companies' bottom line is to exploit you for money. Do with that what you will. Alright, we're going to bring this segment to a close and I will be right back with something a little more cheerful. I'll be right back. I just want to take a minute to tell you about my Patreon. I know times are hard for everybody and I know it isn't easy to shuffle around bills and stuff. Believe me, I know that. But if you would like to help support the podcast... 
you can find the links to my Patreon in my link tree, which is always put into the description of either the video or the audio, wherever you're listening to it. It would really mean the world to me. Honestly, I'm just struggling to make ends meet most weeks, but that's it. That's all. If you want to help, the links will be where you can find them. And welcome back. Now, in this part, I'm going to talk about a deck that I did build, but in a different way. So, I picked up the Mardu Legendary Commander deck, and looked through it, and kind of pulled stuff out of it, and I decided to build uh, Sanid Sleeper's Scourge which is a 2-4 Human Knight for 1, and then red, white, black. It has Menace. Other creatures you control have Menace. And whenever you play a Legendary Land or cast a Legendary Spell, you draw a card and lose one life. Now, I think the real biggest thing that's always kind of the issue with these is the mana base. There are now so many different cycles of non-basic lands that could go into these decks that just don't. Now, I get why they can't do the pathways, because Gavin said somewhere along the line that they can't do double-sided cards in a commander deck because they need to be playable outside of the box. That's fine. Whatever. But I ended up adding uh, the Blight Climb pathway, the Blight Step pathway, and the Needle Verge pathway, which are the white-black, black-red, and red-white pathway lands. And it just kind of dawns on me that even though we have more and more non-basic lands that can come into play untapped, we don't see them in these products that often and I think the biggest perpetrator right now is the battle bond lands or the uh, forget what the other set they were in is called but they're the in this case luxury suite Volta champions and specter seating they are the ones that come in untapped as long as you have two or more opponents. Uh, they respectively tap for black, red, white, black, and red, white. But beyond even that, something that's had multiple printings that just doesn't end up in these are Shocklands. Shocklands have been printed what, seven, eight times at this point? And that gives you, you know, Blood Crypt, Godless Shrine, and Sacred Foundry, which they enter the battlefield tapped unless you pay two life, but again, that gets around them coming into play tapped, and again, they tap for black, red, white, black, and red, white. And this is where I might get a little controversial backlash. I don't think there's any reason why we can't have a fetch land in a precon. 
Even if it's just a Bloodstained Mire, which comes into play untapped, you can pay a life, sack it, after tapping it, uh, to search your library for a swamp or mountain card and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Now, the other controversial part about Fetchlands is, as long as they hit one of your commander's colors, you can run them. So, I had a Verdant Catacombs and a Polluted Delta sitting around that wasn't getting used. And those hit uh, Swamp Forest and Island Swamp, respectively. But since they both hit a Swamp, I can play them. And then rounding out this list of lands that weren't included that could be, we had... The Sacred Foundry, which is the red-white painland, but it did not come with the Caves of Colios, which was in Dominaria United, so it'd be real simple to just throw it in there. Which again enters tapped, taps for colors, or you can pay a life to make a white or a black. Another land I don't see terribly often is what I call the Have Lands. Things like Isolated Chapel that enter the battlefield tapped unless you control a plains or a swamp, and then it taps for white or black. And more recently, something that I just wish they would start putting into these three-color decks that they make is the Triomes. So, in this case, it's the Savai Triome. It has the legendary, or it has the land types, mountain, plains, and swamp. So it taps to add red, white, and black. It enters the battlefield tapped, but it has cycling three. So that's the only one I included that absolutely has to come into play tapped. I just wish Wizards would do a little better with their mana base since now they have so many options. Okay, moving into the next part of the deck that I thought was just a little weird. The deck included Path to Exile and Generous Gift, which are a single white mana, you exile a creature, its owner gets a basic land and a play tapped. And the other one is two and a white, destroy a permanent, its uh, controller makes a 3-3 green elephant. Both great removal spells, but why have both of those and not include Swords to Plowshares? Single white, instant, exile creature, its controller gains life equal to its power. Again, I kind of get why, but at the same time, like, those are kind of the big three white removal spells. And when you're looking through the deck, there's not a ton of, like, the other really good removal spells in the Mardu colors that were included. The one that I remember standing out as being included was Hero's Downfall. But there are so many Mardu-colored removal spells that would fit in a deck like this. And it just doesn't make a ton of sense that the inclusion is super, super light. And I get, like, there's a legendary theme here, but... There's only so many times you can see Zatalpa reprinted and go, oh, cool, another Zatalpa printing. I 
I don't know. I find it weird. Uh, the next thing that I find weird, though, was the mana rocks. The mana rock situation. Uh, don't me wrong, I was pleasantly supply, uh, surprised to see the inclusion of the monuments. The Bantu's monument, Hazra's monument, Oketra's monument, which in, they decreased the cost for black creatures, red creatures, and white creatures, respectively. And then Bantu's is whenever you cast a creature spell... Opponents lose when you gain one. Hazaretz is whenever you cast a creature spell, you can discard a card to draw a card. And Oketra's is whenever you cast a creature spell, you make a 1-1 white warrior creature token. I actually really like that they were included, as they are legendary. But we were missing some simple things like, uh, I don't know, Orzov Signet, Rakdos Signet, and Boros Signet. Which are... All two mana, and then you pay one and tap them for their respective colors. And I feel like this also would have been a, another great place to reprint something like Chromatic Lantern. Which is three mana for uh, an artifact that says lands you control have tap add one mana of any color, and taps to add one mana of any color. Uh, another great choice there would be the Talismans. Do I know which talismans at this particular moment? No, I do not have them in front of me. But then I kind of want to talk about things that could have been included that most certainly were not. And especially in creature-based decks like this, a, a little bit of recursion doesn't hurt. So things like Unburial Rites, uh, for four and a black, Sorcery, Return a Creature Card from your Graveyard to the Battlefield, has Flashback for three and a white. Uh, Torrent of Souls is four and then a hybrid black-red for a Sorcery. Return up to one target Creature Card from your Graveyard to the Battlefield if black was spent to cast Torrent of Souls. And then Creature's Target Player Controls gets plus two, plus two, and Haste until end of turn if red was spent to cast it. You do both if black and red were spent. And Victimize. Two and a black for a sorcery. Choose tar two target creature cards in your graveyard. Sacrifice a creature. If you do, return the chosen cards to the battlefield tapped. Now, I do want to round this out with... Some of the legendaries that were not included that I think could have been... Uh, and the first one's going to be Nadar Selfless Paladin. Now, I get they might not do, like, a one-off, hey, this enters the dungeon thing. But again, if you're running stuff like Recursion and ways to, like, get around and protect Nadar, I think you're going to be fine. But Nadar is two and a white for a 3-3 three, three Dragon Knight. It has Vigilance, and whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, you venture into the dungeon... And then other creatures you control get plus one, plus one, as long as you have completed a dungeon. Now, uh, continuing the train of white creatures that could definitely use a reprint, we have Brima's King of Oreskos. One white, white for a 3-4 cat soldier with vigilance. Whenever he attacks, you put a 1-1 one, one cat soldier creature token with vigilance onto the battlefield attacking, and whenever he blocks... 
You put a 1-1 cat soldier creature token with Vigilance onto the battlefield blocking that creature. So it just... It's a Mardu attacky deck. Uh, but to that note, something like Judith the Scourge Diva would have been a great include here. One, a black and a red for a 2-2 human shaman. Other creatures you control get plus one plus zero, and then whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith deals one damage to any target. And continuing in the be aggressive theme, we have Iroas, God of Victory. Two, a red and a white for a 7-4 god. It has indestructible as long as your devotion to red and white is less than seven. Iroas isn't a creature. Creatures you control have menace. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to attacking creatures you control. After him, I have Miri the Cursed. Two black black for a 3-2 vampire cat with flying first strike and haste. Whenever Miri the Cursed deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one plus one counter on Miri the Cursed. And we're going to round out the list with everybody's favorite knight, Sir Conrad the Grim. 3 black black for a 5-4 human knight. Whenever another creature dies, or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield, or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad the Grim deals 1 damage to each opponent, and then for 1 and a black, each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard, or more recently, that would have been retconned to everybody mills a card. Yeah, so that's kind of it. I'm... Still kind of putting things together for this. But I just kind of... I think pre-cons could be a little... Better. Particularly still in the mana. But yeah, I think that's where I'm going to call it. I hope to see you all next time. And have a good whatever day this happens to come out on thank you for listening all of my links can be found in my link tree in the description below i would like to thank ian foss and cody mulpey of the band the crypt for allowing me to use music for my opening and ending along with nate and erica jacobs for making my original logo and i would also like to thank christina mcnichol for creating my new logo and I'll see you next time.